Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Pastor Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. Well, it's a new year, new start, new you. A lot of times people are making New Year's resolutions and getting ready for new adventures. And I support you in that and I commend you for that. And I wish you the best in that. I wanted to take a moment and start a new series at the beginning of this year to a book that's near and dear to my heart. And one I just think is incredibly poignant and applicable in today's times. The question I have to ask you right now is, how do you handle people you don't like? How do you obey God and his great commission and his call to make disciples and his call to influence our culture for him amid times where you don't particularly care for your neighbor, your friends? We live in incredibly polarizing times where people are at odds philosophically, politically, and obviously spiritually as well. And I think that it's important for us to be able to focus through that and remember that God does not always call us to reach people like ourselves, people who agree with us, people that we even like, and most importantly, people who deserve it or don't deserve it. My question I always ask myself is, did I get what I deserve as a sinful creature just like anyone else? What I deserved was full penalty of all of my sins, but Christ died on the cross, made me whole, and is the reason why I can speak with hope and reach out even through these airwaves and over the internet to tell people of that hope, that redemptive hope that saves a sinner, even such as myself. And I felt that the book of Jonah was a great resource to look to this new year. Maybe you're finding yourself amid a lot of uncertainty. Maybe you're mad. It's okay. Listen, it's okay to be mad. Let's be real. But at the same time, we as Christians have a hope, a hope that comes in Christ, a hope that comes from the gospel. And we have an opportunity to share that within our context. Well, within this book, one of the funny things is it's one of the, one of the few times that you can honestly say that the message was preached and it worked, but it was not something that someone really wanted to work but it worked nonetheless, not because of his power, but because of God's sovereignty. And so as we open the book of Jonah, I just really feel like there's going to be some themes that we're going to explore. One of them being the character of God, the sovereignty of God, the mercy of God, and the mission of God. And I think we're going to be following these in these next four podcasts to basically get the year started off thinking about not only the grace that we have in Christ, but also how his sovereignty, character, and mercy inform the way that we carry out his mission here on earth. As we get started, the book of Jonah can be a controversial book. It defies convention and categorization. For years, scholars wrestled with whether the book was a literal account of history, an allegory, or a parable for moral instruction. One author observed, over the years, Jonah has repeatedly found himself hurled into a swirling sea of interpretive methods. 
Themes of prophecy, morality, and the supernatural tempt scholars to dismiss the possibility of a historical narrative interpretation. Those scholars uncomfortable with supernatural elements favor an allegorical approach that emphasizes the rich moral themes over the divine wonder. This approach puts the focus on the nature of Jonah and his struggles, but relegates God and his character to a secondary role. The allegorical and parable approaches neglect God's overarching themes that give greater meaning beyond the human interest elements of the story. Furthermore, there's evidence to support a historical narrative reading of the book of Jonah. Eugene Merrill points to Jonah's appearance in 2 Kings 14 as a reference with sufficient evidence that he was a historical figure and not, as many scholars allege, an anti-hero of a parable. Further proof of Jonah's existence comes from the New Testament, where Jesus compares his impending death, burial, and resurrection to Jonah's experience in the belly of the great fish in Matthew 12, 40. If one regards Jonah as anything other than historical narrative, it becomes difficult, if not impossible, to regard anything in the Old Testament as historical. Attempts to ascribe a robust biblical theology to the book of Jonah apart from historical narrative are inadequate and incomplete. The depth of theological and devotional riches often finds itself upstaged by fantastical accounts of storms, fish, and plant life. These miraculous events, however, serve as mere props in a more meaningful message of God's character as revealed in His sovereignty, mercy, and mission. So today, let's talk about God's character. The book of Jonah explains the character of God in Old Testament terms. Throughout this work, many people question God's motives. People such as sailors in chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. Ninevites, including their king in chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. And Jonah himself. Each time, God proves to be gracious and sovereign in his dealings with humanity. Whether it's the grace he extends to pagan nations or sailors, God is merciful and just. God also extends the same graciousness to Jonah. God's goodness penetrates the dire circumstances of this book. His grace informs every miracle and every interaction with humans, regardless of cultural background. This goodness undergirds his sovereignty, mercy, and mission so that the reader connects these events to the larger biblical narrative. Isn't it funny how the miracles that point to God in our minds, in our humanity, in our sinfulness, in our hearts upstage God? How many times have we been to vacation Bible schools or heard major sermon series where we talk so much more about the miracle and the fish than the holy God who created everything and offers salvation to us? So before we get started, it goes without saying that I'll be treating this text as historical narrative, as I believe that this is a real account referenced to both Old and New Testament and foundational for our faith. As we get ready to explore the text, let's pull out chapter one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up, 
go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. If ever there was a picture of rebellion, this is it. God gave a directive that could not be more specific or personal. He asked Jonah specifically to go to a place, preach, crystal clear. Jonah took it upon himself to do the near opposite. When you look at Joppa and Nineveh, they are completely in the opposite direction. This wasn't just disobedience. This was an open act of defiance, saying, I know what's best, and I am not going to do that. Tim Keller refers to Jonah as the prodigal prophet because he spends the first half of the book running from God and disobeying him and spends the rest of it acting like the older brother in that parable who takes God for granted and feels he is more deserving of God's grace than others. What's fascinating about this book is that while other prophets were called to speak of Gentiles, Jonah was the only one called to preach to Gentiles. He was sent to the very people that he despised in an Old Testament culture that valued their people group, their nationality, their religion. It must have been very out of the box to be asked to go and preach to Gentiles. Naturally, we see Jonah rebel and have issues with this because he is not only concerned about the actual preaching, we find out later in the book that he does not want them to repent. There is so much deep-seated anger and hatred and resentment towards the people of Nineveh that the last thing Jonah wants is a great and merciful God to forgive them. Friends, in my life, I could probably say that there have been people that I have not cared for. There have been people that I have not wanted to share the gospel with. And in my weaker moments in my life, there have been times that maybe perhaps I felt I was more deserving of my salvation and of my relationship with God than others. Reason being, my church attendance is better. While everybody else was, quote, out having fun, end quote, I was serving the Lord, being better behaved, being more uh, spiritually mature. These were all aspects and excuses that I had for being reluctant to share my faith with others. My question for you today, friend, is how would you react if your mortal enemy repented? How would you react if the person that you dislike most on earth heard the gospel, repented, and had their life transformed? Is that something that would excite you? Would you be enthusiastic about that? Is that something that you would feel great pride and excitement for them? Is that something that you would deem a miracle and you would rejoice in it? Or in our hearts, would we look at that person 
and feel like that's not fair. I've been serving faithfully and this person gets all of the same forgiveness that I received. During times when we find ourselves preaching the gospel to others, we need to always be continuing to preach the gospel to ourselves. The reason why is because we serve a God who can save anyone. No one is beyond his reach. In this book, the Ninevites, by all accounts, would probably be considered beyond God's reach, an evangelistic waste of time, totally depraved and undeserving of God's grace. It's during this time, the longer that we walk with God and the deeper that we come into our discipleship, we should be realizing how depraved we are and how in need of God's forgiveness, mercy, and grace that we are. No one is beyond the need for God's grace. No one is righteous, not even one. And the more that we try to justify our salvation through our works, through our faithfulness at church, through our spiritual disciplines, through our evangelistic zeal, we need to always remember that the great God that can save any people group, such as the Ninevites, is the same God that reached to us in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, and saved us. We should rejoice about that every single day of our life, and it should fuel our evangelism and our service. We don't serve to distinguish ourselves from others. We serve as those forgiven and grateful and looking forward to what God is going to do in the future. Friends, I've enjoyed getting this book started. Please join us for our next episode of Lose Yourself as we continue study of the book of Jonah. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.